morning, the afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And at this moment, we are officially five weeks away from the 2021 NFL Draft. And like I said, we at Sports Crutch are going to be providing a blitzkrieg of coverage until your favorite team is on the clock come April 29th. And tonight, we continue that blitzkrieg with the fourth of eight position-by-position looks at this extremely deep draft class. The position du jour is defensive backs, and this year we have a supremely deep class of corners filled to the brim with NFL bloodlines and a safety crop that is underwhelming yet promising. And to help us analyze this group of DBs is our very good friend Jeff Barnes of Cover2Draft.com. Jeff, how you doing tonight? Not bad on yourself. I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Just uh, ready for these uh, five weeks to come and go so we can find out where these uh, prospects land on draft day. Yes, it's exciting so far, a little hectic with COVID. Oh, definitely. And uh, what makes this year's draft uh, so unique is uh, that because due to COVID, it's harder than ever for teams to get uh, the needed uh, intel on players to provide a sizable background check, uh, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And with uh, no combine, everything is relying on pro days, limited amount of staff at pro days. So a lot of the numbers are coming to us late. Normally we have had something to chew on by now. Oh yes. And also because of COVID scouts uh, weren't necessarily able to travel uh, as much as possible and to get the right interviews in. So uh, this could be a draft where uh, mock drafts are uh, supremely different than the one in reality more than ever before. But uh, anyway, that's for another discussion. Let's talk about this uh, class of corners for a second. And this has been a rather rough week for one of the top corner prospects of this draft class. uh, That is Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech. This week, his draft stock may have taken a huge hit as he underwent a microdisectomy procedure on his back this Tuesday. This is the second back operation he's had in just 15 months. He underwent surgery due to a pitched nerve in his back in December 2019. Many analysts had him as the top corner on their boards prior to this latest news. Even though you weren't one of those analysts, why do you think so many regarded him that way and still do? Well, there's not a huge gap between her, him and uh, Patrick Sotan. So when you, when you hear somebody has them at the top of their board, it's not that surprising. A lot of the times, remember draft scouting, we do look at data, but it's, a lot of it is still opinion-based. So you're going to have guys who have them higher. I like them a lot. To me, the more polished guy, the more rounded guy is Sertan. He earned the top spot on my board when it came to a draft grade. But I like Caleb Farley. I know the surgeries are scaring some people, but you also have to look at the two surgeries. They're pretty minor surgeries, um, the pinched nerve and now the microdisectomy. You talk about a player his age is probably going to heal in four to six weeks. General is six to eight. He'll still be able to be uh, most likely, barring any setbacks, he'll be able to be out there in training camp. So it, to me, I don't think he falls too much. Uh, he's just too talented a player. And you look at the guys behind him, Greg Newsom is another guy behind him. J.C. Horn, who's being pushed up behind him. But Horn is a lot more aggressive. So I think Farley is still going to go high. Somebody may pass on him. But at the end of the day, he's still going in first round. Oh, yeah. And uh, what aspects of his tape uh, strike you the most? Um, One thing about him is he's one of those players that we have in this draft class that is one constantly in phase, always where the ball is in position, doesn't get um, overwhelmed with uh, height and size of bigger receivers. He's always able to make a play on the football, you know, and he's physical, you know, he's not, 
you know, he's not overmatched when it comes to receivers that want to get handsy. He hands fights with the best of them. So he has all of the skills and traits that you like. Um, he has the size to boot. So it's not, it's not one thing you pick at and say, you know, he he's not as good as Sertan because of this. He's not as good as this player because of that. He, he checks a lot of the boxes just like Sertan does. Like I just said, I just think Sertan's a little more rounded. Um, but overall, once again, he's he's got a lot of he checks a lot of the boxes. Natural athlete uh, has the speed, and once again, it's a shame that he won't get a chance to show it. Uh, totally. And another interesting thing uh, when it comes to Farley is that he's a former wide receiver, I believe. And uh, another corner named Richard Sherman was a wide receiver before he became a corner, and that could uh, be a uh, blessing to his game in the long run. Yeah. Well, you expect the receiver to be able to track the football. When the guy moves over the corner, you expect the same thing. A little bit different when you're a corner because you're headed and you're back to the ball for the first part of the play. You have to kind of react later. But he's one of those players who has a knack for finding the football. So I think that part of his receiver game came over with him. But I think, once again, he's, he's, he checks all the boxes. He's one of those players that's, even though you have the injuries that have come up, you, you look at the tape and you're seeing a player who has that it factor. Most definitely, and as you alluded to, the top corner on your board at the moment is the guy who many had running neck and neck with Caleb Farley as the top-rated corner of the draft prior to the latest developments on uh, Caleb Farley, and that is uh, Patrick Sertan II of Alabama. He is indeed the son of all-pro cornerback Patrick Sertan Sr., who played with the uh, Dolphins and the Chiefs. And uh, Patrick Sertan II, he was arguably the cornerstone to the uh, 2020 National Championship uh, Crimson Tide defense. And moreover, uh, the associate defensive coordinator at Alabama, Charles Kelly, he compared the younger Sertan to none other than Jalen Ramsey, whom Kelly also coached in college when Ramsey and Kelly worked Florida State together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, Patrick Sertan II can eventually reach the current level of Jalen Ramsey, who is arguably the best corner in the NFL right now? I think he's a little bit different player than, than Ramsey. I, I, I like the comparison that the coach gives, but to me, he's a different player. Ramsey, uh, when you look at him, was, was a very instinctive player. Um, he played with a lot of, of, of – there's more athleticism to his game than polish. You're looking at Sertan. He's a guy whose father played the position, coached him at the position. So he's been polished from day one. So you see the athleticism plus the polish. Ramsey, when he came out of college, was all physical skill. Um, he had so he was he had some technical flaws, but he overcame those rather quickly when he got to Jacksonville. Um, you look at there's very few technical flaws on Sertan. So you're looking at a guy who's a lot more polished. Here's a guy who's coming in with a pro style mentality, and that's something that Ramsey didn't have. I think just uh, the two athletic players, size wise, are very similar. Uh, Numbers-wise, they're not that far off. But as far as play style, they're a little different um, in, in regards to how they play. And it's, it's more of a measured approach with Sertan. You know, Ramsey's a fire plug on and off the field. So, <laughs> you know, and it shows in his style of play. Yes, and as rough as a week as it was for Caleb Farley, this was a fantastic week for South Carolina's J.C. Horn, as you mentioned earlier. The son of longtime Saints wide receiver Joe Horn J.C. absolutely tore it up at the South Carolina Pro Day yesterday, and he posted strikingly similar numbers to Patrick Sertan II. Does the tantalizing upside of J.C. Horn make him worth a top 15 pick in your view? And would it surprise you if Horn eventually turns out to be the best corner from this class? It wouldn't surprise me. 
um, if he goes top 15. Um, as far as being the best corner, it, it would depend on scheme. You know, if he goes into a scheme that allows him to play man-to-man, um, allows him to be more play to more of his strengths, I think he'll be fine. I think if you're asking him to do a lot more, be able to play in zone, use his eyes a lot more, he is a very aggressive corner. He's going to jump the short route, so he leaves um, open to double moves. Um, he's one of those players who's going to get very handsy in coverage, so you're going to see some flags every once in a while. He, those are the detriments to his game that you don't see in the top two guys. So I can see, if, especially if, if Farley still goes high, that Horn goes high. Um, he might jump Farley because of the injury situation with Farley um, and go high. I think that's the only reason. If he didn't have the second surgery with Farley, I don't think he would have jumped Farley. I don't think he would have jumped Sertan. And I think if those guys were early on a run of corners, you'd see him go earlier than expected. But I expected him in the teens. Yes, and uh, you mentioned uh, the uh, handsy coverage that is a weak point in J.C. Horn's game, uh, which will uh, draw draw flags, and that's something he's going to have to iron out. But I remember another certain prospect a couple years ago who had that similar kind of weakness in his game coming out of college, and that was uh, Xavier Howard. And now Absolutely. Xavier Howard is uh, arguably a top-five corner in the game It arguably has the best ball skills of any corner in the NFL at this moment, given all the interceptions he's totaled in recent years. Uh, would, would it surprise you if uh, J.C. Horn finds a similar success as Xavier Howard? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. And he's actually a faster player than Howard was. He, his, Howard's uh, forty time kind of left a little bit desired for some of the scouts. Um, but you can go either two ways with with JC Horn. He can either, you know, learn it to uh, be physical, but not overly physical as Howard did, or he can never get over it and be like a uh, Xavier Rhodes, who will be physical to the end. And if he gets flagged, he gets flagged. You know, he's one of those players. He, he has the natural ability. Um, it's just a matter of his na- he's naturally aggressive. And, and if you watch the film, this time's where he, he'll see that out route and jump it, and it turns into a wheel, and the guy's running up the sideline, and he's out of position. And then there's times where he comes up and makes the pick. So um, there's times where he's running with receivers, and the guy tries to break, and he gets a little grab of the jersey flag. And it sounds like he gets away with it. So... He's going to have to learn what the refs are going to allow him to get away with. Um, he's going to have to learn uh, to be better and use his body a little bit better to stay in position so he doesn't have to grab. That's the main thing. Stay in phase. So um, I think he has – we all see he has the natural ability to do it. It's just a matter of getting out of your comfort zone of being overly aggressive and allowing your body to take yourself out of position because you're guessing on the route as opposed to reading the route. Oh, he's definitely going to have to learn that, but uh, you have to admire his uh, alpha male mentality. Like, uh, it's not just in, in the way he plays on film with his aggression. It's, uh, y- you can see it, what he's telling the media right now by saying, oh, I, I'm the best defender in this draft class. I believe I can be the best defender in this draft class. And uh, him uh, um, uh, retweeting uh uh, analysts that don't rank him as high as others. Uh, yeah, he, he, he likes to troll them. Uh, you kind of have to admire that, though, don't you? Yeah, well, playing corner is not for the timid. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to have self-confidence. You know, you have to believe in yourself because it, there's times when nobody else will when you're struggling. So uh, 
it's a good thing that he has that kind of confidence. Um, we, we talked about some guys like him, some guys like Farley. He's going to talk a lot more. He gets that honestly. We know how his father was. His rather boisterous. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You know, so he's gonna. He's one of those guys that he just has to be careful. There's a fine line because when you talk too much, sometimes it fires up the guy on the other side of the football. So it's going to talk some receivers out of their game. It's going to make some receivers step up. And if you make the wrong one step up, you're going to be on the bad end of it. So he just has to learn the fine line of, of motivating himself, keeping his confidence up, and not antagonizing the guy enough that he steps his game up and shows you up. That is absolutely true. And uh, speaking of his father, uh, Joe Horn, uh, one of the most uh, infamous extracurricular moments in modern NFL history was uh, when uh, – Joe Horn uh, planted uh, a flip phone uh, yeah. in the goalposts, <laughs> and if he scored a touchdown, he would uh, take the flip phone out, and he he, he did. Uh, would you be surprised if J.C. Horn like uh, doubles down on that in the pros if he ever makes a pick six and he does something with an iPhone or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> it would be interesting to see if he repeats his father's move. Um, when, when he was asked that, so he's been elusive on that so far. He's 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 pretty much said he wasn't going to do it. Never put it past anybody, though. So it may come up once or twice if he gets the chance. Uh, definitely. And the corner that is probably shooting up draft boards at the moment is Georgia's Eric Stokes. And Stokes may have the best ball skills of any corner in this class. He totaled four interceptions this year, and he only allowed a 38.5% completion rate when he was targeted. And he also displayed some freakishly athletic traits at the Georgia Pro Day. He ran a 4-3-1 in the 40, and he posted a 38.5-inch vertical. But he also posted some very, very concerning numbers in the agility drills with a 6.96 three-cone time, which puts him just in the 7th percentile at his position, and a 4.36 20-yard shuttle time, which puts him just in the ninth percentile at his position. Are those agility types enough to push him out of the first round entirely, in your view? Well... In my, in my grades, he wasn't first round. I know there were people that talked about him. But if you watch his film, he, he's a nice, lengthy corner. Um, he has some nice speed to him. Changing direction is a problem for him. And, you know, there's times where you see it on the film where um, he gets the double move. He gets the uh, receiver that gives him a quality stem outside and breaks back in on him, creates separation that he has a hard time recovering uh, from. So... I think there's going to be certain warts with him that he's not a finished product. It is still a lot of, uh, he's played a lot more on athleticism than, than technique and, and um, coachable coaching. Um, so I think there's still levels to his game that he can improve, but overall there's not a high ceiling for him compared to the other corners. So I don't see him being um, pro bowl caliber. I see him being a quality starter, um, maybe even a good starter in certain schemes, but there are there are certain uh, limitations that he has to his game that you're going to have to work around. And one of those things is when he's out of phase, when he's trailing in separation, he has a hard time clip, um, closing and uh, catching up. Yes, and on to the safety crop for a moment. And as I alluded to in the intro, this year's safety crop is rather poor, but it has a consensus name at the top of the list in TCU's Trayvon Merrig. What mm -hmm. makes uh, Trayvon Merrig the best safety of this class, according to many? Well, Trayvon Merrick gives you a bit of both. He gives you that guy that can play close to the line of scrimmage. He can play over the top. He's athletic enough to play in the slot and cover. Uh, he gives you a lot of everything. Um, 
I'm not as low on this safety class as a lot of people are. I don't have anybody with a first-round grade, but that doesn't mean that there's not a guy that could sneak into the first round. We know Morgan can, but I think there's going to be plenty of guys um, on day two and day three that are going to make a big impact on secondaries around the league. Oh, yeah, and uh, one of those safeties that has seen a pretty meteoric rise of draft boards since he stole the show at the Senior Bowl is uh, Richie Grant of uh, UCF. And there is buzz around the league that he could end up as a top 50 pick. Do you think that's mainly because of the poor depth of the safety class, or do you think Richie Grant's talent warrants such value? Well, Richie Grant is a talented safety, and, and he warranted it this year, um, not just with his play during the season, although it was a shortened season. He played very well at Senior Bowl week in coverage. He showed the ability to cover in man. He showed the ability to play in space as a safety. And he was able to tackle during the game. Um, and this is stuff we saw in his film. And, and that's a very underrated secondary at UCF because there were two corners um, that they had as well that, that are very draft-worthy this year. Um, but when it came to Richie Grant, he showed you a lot this season. Um, he got the really top it off at the senior bowl with a, with a very, very good performance is pushing him up boards and he deserves it. it, it this, I mean, when you look at his, his skills, um, he's going to be one of those players that's probably going to play a little bit closer to the line. He can play over the top, but his strength is definitely more uh, when he's matching up against tight ends. And uh, if this draft had a more typical group of safeties, uh, do you think Richie Grant would uh, go lower that he's going to be drafted this year? If there were more of the traditional uh, free safeties that were uh, higher up the draft board, definitely. And it's because teams are in desperate need of that over-the-top safety. And you're not seeing – a lot of these guys are, are slotting box safeties. So you're going to see a lot more of these guys that have flash cornerback ability at times. Um, they're bigger bodies so they can match up in coverage and tackle. But they're going to be doing a lot more coverage. Um, a lot closer to the line of scrimmage uh, with the sub packages. Since most teams aren't in their base packages as much, these safety corner hybrids, which is what you have a lot of in this draft, are, are very important now at the next level. Uh, they both certainly are. And uh, before we proceed to the next uh, part of our program, uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic today, a noted draft analyst whom you and I both uh, respect. Uh, he released his safety rankings, and at the top of his list, it wasn't uh, Trayvon Merrick, it was uh, Richie Grant. Uh, I don't know if uh, you have Grant over Merrick, but let's just uh, play devil's advocate for a moment, so to speak. And uh, why do you think uh, Dane would like Richie Grant over Trayvon Merrick? Um, knowing Dane, he likes the athleticism. Uh, and Richie Grant has a lot of it, <laughs> you know. So I think that's what he sees. Um, there are certain, like I said, we look at the sizes on some of these guys. He um, Grant brings a lot, I think, a little more size than, than Morig does. I think he's a lot more physical than Morig is. And like I said, I think you look at the athleticism. Dane values athleticism highly. So if he feels that Grant's more athletic, he's going to get the higher grade. Although they both have very impressive films. Yes, and now let's play one of our favorite games on this program, and it's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, I'm just going to mention the name of a corner or safety prospect that we have not discussed yet, and you tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term stock in the NFL. Beginning with the guy from my own backyard in Evanston, Illinois, Greg Newsom from Northwestern University. Do you buy or sell Greg Newsom? Oh, I'm buying Greg Newsom. He is one of my top five corners. 
Uh, matter of fact, he sits at number three right over Horn um, as far as uh, he's one of those guys I talked about as a balanced corner. There's, there's three balanced corners in this draft to me, Sertan, Farley, and Newsom, and everybody else. I mean, Horn is not far off of those guys grade-wise, but his uh, aggressiveness is going to be one of those things that hurts and helps him. Um, but when it comes to Newsom, he's one of those guys who has the ability to play balanced football, play a little more polished, play with his athleticism, find the football. A lot of pass breakups. We want to see a little more interceptions from him. But overall, we want to see him sealing the deal. But he's one of those guys, I believe, that can come in and start day one. Yeah, Sad, what do you mean by a balanced corner? Somebody who could play in either a man scheme or a zone scheme, things like that? Absolutely. Balanced, meaning he can play man and zone. Although he's he can play man, he's, a, he's he can be aggressive, but he can also understand the situation. And, and the, that aggressive corner is the guy that's going to take all the risk. Balanced corners don't take as many risks. They can't play conservative, but they can play aggressive at times. They know when to play aggressive. So I think that's the one thing with Horn is he's always aggressive. You know, so for him playing off is his detriment. For Newsom, he can play aggressive. He could be that cover two corner. He could be that press man corner. But he could also be that cover three corner who's in bail position and understands when to set his feet and settle down into the zone, when to keep getting death with receivers. He understands that a little bit more. Horn is the aggressive one. That ball is looking like it's going to come underneath. He's going to jump it, even if the ball's not going there. And now we go back to our buy or sell game. Moving on with Elijah Molden, the son of Alex Molden, who played for the New Orleans Saints. Alex played at Oregon, but Elijah played at the University of Washington. Do you buy or sell mm -hmm. Elijah Molden? I'm going to just say buy for the fact that I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he'll be a day two pick who's going to eventually um, in, get into the lineup. He may not be a starter right away. I think there's still a lot more development with him. I think with him, when I look at his film, he still has a lot of uh, technical flaws that have to be corrected. Some some of his breaks are a little slow at times. Um, so he's one of those guys that is a, a good DB coach is going to work with him, bring him along slowly, let him work in sub packages. Um, get him more experience at the NFL level, get used to the speed, and, and work on his and refine his game enough so he could be a full-time starter. Kelvin Joseph of the University of Kentucky. Do you buy or sell Kelvin Joseph? I am selling Joseph. Um, when I see him, I see the corner that everybody's looking for, the bigger corner. Uh, however, I'm still seeing very rough transitions at times with him. Nice feet at times, but the transitions, the turns, a little slow. Next level, they got to be faster consistently. You're going to have a hard time carrying receivers across the field. And moving right along to Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes' teammate at Georgia, who I believe was a track star in high school. Do you buy or sell Tyson Campbell? Yes, um, I, I buy him, but as a sub-package player. So he's one of those guys that we know is going to come in the later rounds uh, I don't, maybe not day two, but early day three. Um, however, he's going to end up somewhere where he can use his strengths, um, be able to cover people. He, I don't see him as a 60 down, a 60 down corner as of yet. He may eventually end up one, um, be a quality starter down the road, but in the beginning, he's going to be one of those guys that they bring along slowly and throw him out on the field, maybe about 30 snaps a game. 
Another one of the uh, corner bloodlines in this year's draft is Asante Samuel Jr., whose father, Asante Sr., was a Super Bowl champion with the Patriots and also played several years with the Eagles. And Asante was one of the most pick-six happy quarters I've seen in the NFL personally. But what do you think about his son? Do you buy or sell Asante Samuel Jr.? I am buying him because I know there's a lot of zone teams that can use him. And he is the perfect zone corner, just like his father. Um, very instinctive when they can see the ball, uh, when they're playing with their back to the ball, not as, um, they're not as reactive. So when you look at his game, a team like New England will love him because they will perfectly drop him in the zones where he can see the football and make plays on it. When he's in man and left on the island alone, there's a drop off in his game where he's not as effective. He's still good. Just not as not as dominating as he would be in the zone. Moving on to safeties, Indiana's Jamar Johnson. Do you buy or sell Jamar Johnson? I'm selling Johnson. I just um, when I look at his tape, I see a nice player. Um, when you look at him, he has the he has the look, he has the body type, but there are um, issues with with I believe matching up with speed inside. Um, he's going to have some issues at the next level. Um, covering a larger area is going to be a problem, so you can't put him over the top and cover two. So he's going to wind up playing in sub-packages as a box safety most of the time. And he's, he's, yeah, I think there's way better safeties that you can take ahead of him. And Javon Holland of Oregon. Buy or sell Javon Holland? Ah, so we talk about one of those better safeties. Well, here's one of them. You know, once again, we talk about another six-foot-plus safety who can cover the slot as a, as a like a corner. He could also come up and tackle, right? Play these uh, special teams maven. So he can immediately contribute in that area as well. Not afraid to stick his nose in there and get contact. This is a safety that's going to make a, a big impact on day two. And concluding our game of buy and sell with Hamza Nasruddin of Florida State. Do you buy or sell Hamza Nasruddin? I'm buying him. Unfortunately, he came from Florida State when the program was down. A lot of people are forgetting that Florida State has pretty good talent there still. And he's one of those talented players. Um, he's shown the ability to cover in space, um, has the ability to cover up in man. He has the ability to play over the top. He's one of the few in this draft class that actually can play over the top as a free safety. So I think that kind of boosts his stock even more. And uh, he is coming off a, an injury, though, but uh, it, it, assuming that uh, teams think he'll be healthy in time for the regular season, can you see him uh, going on day two? Absolutely. I can see him going on day two. Um, I think this year, injuries, unless it's something late, as we've seen um, with some players, I don't think it's going to hurt them too much if they miss this year, especially with COVID, where people were opting out as it is. So you had to go back for a lot of players to 2019 to get their full film. Some players only played a couple of games in 2020, so you still have to go back to 2019 and get uh, more film from him. So um, the injury, I don't think, is going to hurt him too much this year. Um, I believe he is invited to the combine, so they will get a chance to get a full medical on him and understand where he is with the injury. And if they're not scared off by it, he'll go just as high as they expect him to. He is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at Cover2Draft.com. That is Cover the Digit 2. 
draft.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Barnes 29. And Jeff, we thank you so much once again for joining us. But before we let you go, uh, we're going to have to revisit these prospects and uh, figure out what is their best possible destination in the National Football League. What is the best possible team fit for Caleb Farley? Caleb Farley, I haven't mocked the Dallas. I mean, but Detroit could use them opposite um, their corner from last year as well from uh, from uh, Ohio State. Okuda. So, yes, Jeff Okuda. So when you talk about a couple of places, they could definitely use them right there in Dallas and Detroit. Um, the New York Giants also need corner corner help as all. Well. They're they're hiring all these free agents retreads, but young corners that can actually play would make a big difference on those rosters. And uh, what about Patrick Sertan the second? What are some best team fits for him? Uh, you can mention those same teams, but there are furthermore. Listen, New England could use him. I think he's going to go higher than New England, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, San Francisco could definitely use him. Uh, you can name. I think about thirty-one of the thirty-two teams for sure could use him, uh, and I don't. And even the thirty-two, the second team could probably use him as well. I don't think there's a bad fit on any one of these teams. These guys are instant starters who are going to come in and be an upgrade over most corners in the league. Totally. And uh, now to J.C. Horn, who you said, uh, as Betty have told me, he will only function at his best if it's in a man coverage heavy scheme. Um, what teams could you think that will fit J.C. Horn like a glove? Um, I don't see him making it to Kansas City, but I think he would be a great addition to that Spagnolo defense. You know, Steve Spagnolo loves the blitz, um, and it will give him a lot of opportunity to let this kid play his best game, which is the man up, the time put his face, get it up in uh, receivers' faces, play a little off man as well. Um, he won't, like I said, he won't last that long. Indianapolis is a good fit. I don't think he'll last that long. I think he's going to go at, at the latest 19. Um, but don't be surprised. I think Indianapolis actually is before 19, so they may have a better shot at him. I'm not looking at my order right now. Uh, but. Yeah, Colts are actually yeah. at 21, I think. Okay, so they're close. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There's somebody else ahead of them I'm, I'm trying to think of right now. Um, I know Minnesota could definitely use them. <laughs> so that's another destination as well, and we know how um, we know how uh, Minnesota is. They do play a lot of zone, but they do allow him to look at the QB, which will give him a chance to see the ball in front of him and break on it. Once again, like I said, the one risk of that is he is very aggressive. So if he sees a route that he thinks that quarterback's looking staring down, he's going to jump it. Uh, so if he's responsible with deep zone, that could be a risk. But overall. You still have the ability of letting him play man. Uh, plenty of teams that play press man. Plenty of teams play man off. Um, and he fits right into any one of them. What about the best possible team fit for Eric Stokes? Stokes. Now, I think Seattle fits him best. Um, he has the size that they like. They like to play that um, cover three matchup zone. So I believe he fits very well into that scheme. Um, and, and, and of course Dallas plays as well, but they'll, they'll be picking away before he gets up there. So, um, I think any team that runs that Seattle style works for him. Yes. And that would include like, uh, let's say the uh, Jets or the 49ers. Yes. Yes. And I know another Jets, once again, uh, they're probably going to add a lot of offense early. So I think they'll be in the uh, market for a corner on day two or day three. 
Uh, yes, uh, if uh, he falls uh, far enough uh, into a day two where the Jets could get Eric Stokes, uh, he would be a good fit there, as you uh, suggested. And uh, our man Greg Newsome, what are some good team fits for him? Okay, so he's one of those guys that we talked about, the top three, who could fit their scheme diverse. So if you're a cover two team, Newsome can fit into a cover two scheme. You don't, you know, granted, it kind of hides a lot of his strengths, but it's something he could do. Um, he fits into those uh, Seattle-style cover three matchup zones, the man-heavy schemes, the blitz-heavy schemes he fits into, big corner, uh, very fast, and, and very instinctive. So I think he fits into all of those schemes. He's one of those guys that you, you really don't have a bad scheme fit for him. Uh, yes, and let's just play uh, devil's advocate for a moment and come up with uh, one team. And uh, I'm kind of thinking this right now. The Denver Broncos are picking at nine. And word has it, if they're unable to trade up for a quarterback, they want to trade back from nine. And let's say they trade back from nine until like uh, the early 20s or the late teens, and Newsom is still on the board. Uh, picky kid, uh, and having him uh, spend the year in a rotation with Ronald Darby, Kyle Ford, Bryce Callahan, I think that would be... Uh, not a bad idea whatsoever. It would not be. Um, it would settle that issue with those older corners having the guy in place that's immediately going to replace him. I don't see them going corner. I think they're probably going to go linebacker with it pretty thin um, if they don't go up and get the quarterback that they think they want to compete with uh, Drew Locke. I personally, I like Drew Locke. I don't think they should be looking to replace him just yet. Continue to build around him. I think your coach has to kind of adapt his style because the, a lot of defensive coaches are not good for rookie quarterbacks, for young quarterbacks. And you're kind of seeing that with the coach there. But um, when you talk about um, corners there, once again, Newsom does fit what they love to do. Fancy loves the zone blitz, loves the blitz um, with main coverage behind it. And he does fit that mold. Um, like I said, he would, like you said, he does have to play in a rotation while they have those veteran corners there. Uh, yes, and another reason why I think rotation would help Greg Newsom is because uh, he does have some uh, medical questions coming out of Northwestern, and uh, spending a year in rotation would give him a lot of time to uh, spend some time in the weight room, uh, getting healthy, eating right, so to prepare his body for the rigors of the NFL. Absolutely, and we're going to the 18-game season this year. So, Well, the 17-game season, 18-week yeah. season. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's going to be longer. It's going to be a lot more arduous on all of these players, veterans and, and rookies alike. So this is going to be one of those situations where they're going to have to um, really be on the game. I know uh, they still haven't come up with a format for uh, mini camps and stuff. So it's still going to be a virtual start for a lot of teams. So this is going to be um, one of those things with the rookie classes. You're going to have to get them in and, and trust your training staff when they get them in the building to get these in, guys in right because they haven't played football in months. Indeed, and continuing with our potential best team fits, can you think of any other team outside the Patriots that would fit like a glove with Asante Samuel Jr.? Uh, Indianapolis, for one. Uh, we talked about a lot of zone coverage, a lot of the man over, um, with two, two men or safeties over the top. He fits in that scheme. Um, Matt Eberflus likes those principles that fit corners that can play man, but they're mostly zone. Uh, Eberflus is a bend, but don't break defense. So that definitely fits Asante Samuel Jr. Best possible team fit for Elijah Molden. Hmm. 
I'm also going to say another zone team. Uh, I, I, like I said, his ability to carry people across the field, I think it's one of his weaknesses. So if you're a man-heavy team, that's going to be one thing you don't want him doing is having to carry receivers. So I think running him in the zones where he can pass people off, keep uh, the receivers in front of him where you can see the crossing and adjust to the route, I think is going to be the best fit. So if you want to look at, once again, another team where Seattle um, was going to be one. Keep them away from the Rams. Don't put them with the Rams. But uh, Arizona, they like to run a lot of zone blitz scheme. Uh, I think that works for them as well. Yes, and also uh, two other teams that come to mind, obviously, the Chargers and the Broncos are any team that uh, has any elements of that Fangio defense that would like somebody like Elijah Molden. Absolutely. Yeah, moving on to safeties right now, what's the best possible team fit for Trayvon Merrick? Hmm. Being that he's a closer to the line safety, um, I think the Atlanta Falcons right now could really use him. We know they're very thin at the position. We saw Keanu Neal is gone. Demonte KZ is on the street. Um, they're in need of safeties. He's one of those guys that can come up and play that uh, in that box safety, that strong safety role, that monster safety role, where he's going to be over a slot receiver. I think he's going to fit into that kind of role. Um, he's not really built for over the top, although he's, he's tried to play it in the past. He's limited in uh, range. So I think you got to keep him closer to the line of scrimmage. And spoiler alert, Monte Casey has signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I believe it's a one-year deal with the Cowboys. So both he and Keanu Neal have departed Atlanta for Dallas where they're reunited with uh, Dan Quinn. But that aside, what is the best possible team fit for Richie Grant? Now, Richie Grant is going to be one of those safeties we talked about. I think Arizona is, is one of those places. I think uh, New York Giants is another one of those places. Um, you know, we talk about Belichick scheme. Well, you have a Belichick disciple in New York who likes to run a lot of the similar concepts. So you talk about a guy like that who can come down, play in the box, cover in, in the slot, and give you uh, the blitz when they need him to blitz and make an impact off the edge. I think Richie Grant is a steal for the New York Giants in the second round. And last but not least, what is the best possible team fit for Javon Holland? Very similar player. We, it, it seems like we talk to safety. That seems to be the common thing. A very similar player. <laughs> we talk about a lot of these uh, safeties that are closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, for him, though, I think Detroit would be a good fit. I mean, different scheme coming in now. But I think, once again, you talk about a guy who can cover in the slot. I think he can step up outside if needed. If they're, if they're short injury-wise, kick him outside. I, you know, I think he can be a serviceable corner. But as far as the safety, I mean, this guy's going to be a heck of a cover safety uh, in the slot, uh, matching up against tight ends, uh, being physical in the run game. He's going to be one of, the, one of those players that he makes enough plays. They're going to talk about him a lot. 
Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, Cover2Draft.com. Follow him on Twitter at JeffBarnes29. Jeff, thank you so much once again for joining us tonight, as always. And that's it for now here on Sports Crush, but we'll be back soon with more draft coverage as April 29th draws near, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrutch.com. And remember, that is Crutch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SportsCrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Jeff. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Jeff Barnes, this is David Cromwell saying so long and as usual, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane, and when it's your turn, please get vaccinated. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>